What does healing mean to you? And it's not always about like, now I'm good. Mm-hmm. It's more about like, how did you get there? So I think the healing is the process and finally being like, you know, this is who I am. Revealing Voices, the mental health podcast, raising unanswered questions, sharing unanswered prayers. We are faith-based, peer-led, story-driven, and stigma-breaking. I am Tony Roberts. I am Eric Riddle. And we are Revealing Voices. episode 11 yes this will be coming out on july 5th and we thought we might acknowledge our soldiers who have served faithfully uh, for our freedom and particularly those as we deal with mental health who have um, returned home as wounded warriors and deal with uh, ptsd and other mental health concerns Um, the statistics i've seen eric are that um, almost twice as many soldiers die by suicide as in combat. Yeah. And uh, that's an alarming figure. Yeah. There's an article in today's paper actually about that. Mm. It, it mm. is alarmingly high and we need to do better for our soldiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I read a book by a fellow named Sebastian Younger, spelled J-U-N-G-E-R, about a year ago. He is a journalist who's been embedded in units uh, in Afghanistan, I think Iraq also. Uh, mm-hmm. The book is called Tribes. It's an excellent book. And mm-hmm. it, it talks about the, the bonds that soldiers form in the community and the, the close, intimate relationships they have overseas in, in the midst of, of warfare, you know, mm-hmm. on, on assignment. For them to come back and not feel that same sort of integration in their own home mm-hmm. communities. Uh, they they kind of lose touch and they lose that camaraderie. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's suggesting that we, we need to do more to both form communities around those soldiers when they return, but also to just be more mindful that we need to have more cohesion as a society because fighting for freedom in a country that when you come back to has so much strife is very difficult. Yes. And one thing we'll put on our website is uh, a crisis line. There is a um, VA uh, crisis number, and we'll have to look that up and put it on our website. Today's guest will be saying hello to a very special young woman uh, that Eric knows quite well, and I got a chance to meet her for the first time. We'll be talking about art therapy Mm. with Maria. She received her master's in art therapy from Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis, a little over a year ago. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to see how her career develops. And here in the intro, we just wanted to talk a bit about how art has impacted our own mental health. So Mm -hmm. Tony, why don't you share for a moment? Creativity is very important to me as a healing method. I do a lot of creative writing, poetry, flash fiction, um, spiritual devotions, um, 
even uh, comments on other people's blogs that I find uh, a way to express myself and connect with others. And that is uh, therapeutic for me. Yes. How about you? We're, we're both writers. I think we both get a lot out of that. Haiku for you. Haiku for me. Uh, yeah, I, I'm on like day 85, I think, of the 100 haiku, the 100-day project. I had alliteration this morning, Tony. Yeah? I did. It, it was all tease uh-huh. about a tiger <laughs> that was timid. Uh, <laughs> is that what came out of the dice? Or yeah, what? yeah. I, I, I saw a lot of T's and a lot of P's and a lot of S's, so I, I kind of sorted it, and then I tried to figure out a haiku, and the, the T's made the most sense. Yeah, very yeah. good. Yeah, so that, that's going well, but writing is very, very good for me. My most recent depression, about five years ago, I really took to some marigolds growing in my backyard and wound up doing a painting. I remember that. And... That, that hangs in my doorway. I see it every morning, and it's very bright. You know, it, it doesn't reflect my mood at the time, but it reflects my, my hope, mm-hmm. and that was a very therapeutic thing for yes. me to do. And, I, and I'm not really a painter. Mm-hmm. That's really my only painting in, in adulthood. Well, one thing we'll learn from Maria is that, you know, it's part of the therapy of art is that you don't have to be an expert you absolutely you engage in the process and that is therapeutic yeah we all have the ability to have a creative expression and all benefit from a form of art therapy it, it is not for the artist where yep. art therapy is helpful right like, well, let's let's lower the bar as far as our conception of what it means to be an artist and just acknowledge that we all have the ability to creatively express ourselves mm-hmm I started making greeting cards for my grandchildren. Yeah? Uh, Just a way for them to, they don't read yet. Right. So it's a way for grandpa to connect with them and draw pictures for them. That's great. Yeah, I still put words on them like grandpa's pushing you on the swing here. Yes. Put little cotton balls for clouds. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, art for all, I think, is yep. uh, is important to remember. And so, let's move on to our episode with Maria. Yes. So, uh, we're in the studio. With yes, we are. Studio E, here with a special guest. Maria Ress Riddle. Well, so we're going to talk with Maria about art therapy. She is pursuing a career she's been trained and done some internship we want to start with the question what is art therapy first and foremost it is a master's level profession I think a lot of people hear art therapy and they think oh you know I do that with my kids or oh um, I use um, coloring books and I'm doing art therapy but I like to just really emphasize that it's master's level you have to have a degree and then also very much it is similar to just any therapist that has the same similar training. So like if you want to be a counselor, we would we have the same training, but then to be an art therapist, we add a couple courses to learn how materials work in the setting, how um, like the history of art therapy. So just like 
credentialing purposes, yeah, you will have a license in mental health counseling. So in Indiana, it's the LMHC, which is the Licensed Mental Health Counselor. Other states have like licensed professional counselor, it depends mm-hmm. on the state. Um, so that will be my li- license as a counselor, but then there's also the art therapy registration that you okay. can get. Art therapy is not as developed throughout the nation. So like, I think there's five or six states that have a license for art therapy. Well, why don't we take a, a step back as far as how you got interested in art therapy? Yep. Uh, I, I know. Uh, all the riddles went to IU, Tony. There's four of us. I could probably have imagined that, yes. given your wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> well, and our parents. Well, a lot of, a lot of IU in, in the blood. Uh, Maria, the youngest, uh, followed in the footsteps of her three older siblings and went abroad and studied in Italy, in Florence. And that's, I think, where you really started to develop a love for art. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where I knew I wanted to major in it. Mm-hmm. I always, like, as a kid, I was, like, the art riddle. I was the artist. So then when I studied abroad, I had this ceramic class where we had to, like, make replications of the David's nose. Like, they would have a chunk of, like, a modeled nose, and I would be like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, I'm making the, <laughs> the David's nose. <laughs> Or like the ear or, or whatever. So I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever created. When you find that cool, you know you're oh, in the right place. Yeah, and it was just very like natural to me. And I was among, I mean, my classmates were also studying abroad and they weren't artists. They just were like, oh, I'm in Italy. I'm going to take an art class. So like, like they were just like doing it for fun. But I was really like, oh my gosh, like I want to do this forever. Yeah. Um, in my last semester with this program, I knew that I loved ceramics, but I also knew that something was missing. I remember mom reading this article in one of the IU alumni magazines, mm-hmm. and the director of the program I eventually went to and now have graduated from had an article in there about the art therapy program. And my mom just like showed me it, and I was like, my eyes were like, blown up and I was like this is it yeah it was a very brief article probably like half a page but it was like oh my gosh <laughs> I was like this is what I need to do um just because it was a blend of art and helping people mm-hmm. like mental mental health um which I always I think knew I had an interest in but it for some reason, it was just like that article like slapped me in the face and was like, you need to do this. Within the studies of your program, you've done some internship. Mm-hmm. And you were sharing before the program that it has varied between settings and approaches. Yeah. Um, share just one aspect of that that um, has made an impact on you. So that was actually something that wasn't anticipating just how much time I would spend with internships, especially the second year you're, you do 24 hours of internship time, which on top of school, you're basically full time working. So it's very intense and um, you're essentially the therapist for the people you're working with. Thinking back, it's like, if I didn't have those internships, I would be lost. When you're in a field like art therapy, that's really 
just beginning, mm-hmm. it's those experiences in internships where it really makes a difference. Yeah. So let's talk about the IU Health Neuroscience Center. Okay. Yeah, that it's a brand new building in Indianapolis. I was able to go up there with the family and see you present mm-hmm. uh, your research. That was amazing. That was an amazing night to see you in front of all those med students. Insane. Yes. I was like, my heart was off my body somewhere else. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so it's, yeah, because I presented it in front of, it was a Grand Rounds um, session. So that's like med students and the like doctors within that um, department. So it was neurology go to this and people present their research. They talk about what they've done with patients that work and don't work. And so somehow (laughs) I got the chance to speak in front of them because the art therapy program within this center is at that time was brand new. Like I was the first intern. Um, And so it was like we had to inform the people that work there about what, what we were doing. And that was the best platform to, to do it. They're trying to include like music therapy and dance therapy. You have like a creative arts right. program. So one woman I worked with, she had a lot of confusing elements that were happening that she couldn't really figure out. So she was referred to neurology and they ended up diagnosing her with conversion disorder. And basically you have so much stress going on in your life that your body reacts and becomes like you might have headaches all day or you might not you might have a leg cramp or you might have like stomach aches mental stress is converted into <laughs> yeah, physical so, pain yeah. so that's why it's conversion that's a good way to okay say it i was there for a year probably worked with her for like half of it and just like seeing her progress was like first i think that was the first time i've actually seen like real change mm-hmm. um and so with her, we did a lot of work with trees. And I think it helped because you can come and do art therapy and have zero experience with art. Right. I think that's also important. Like, you don't come to art therapy because you're some grand artist or, like, know how to paint. Yeah. Like, you can come and literally have never touched a pencil or crayon or anything. Um, but she was an artist. But, but I think because she was an artist, it made me realize how important it is to actually invest in the process. You're like, oh, whatever, I don't want to do art. You can still gain from it, but if you're engaging with the art but not really engaging with the art, then that's not as uh, beneficial. So she was really engaging, and I think that was what ultimately helped her. And the art was taking the form of trees. We use a lot of symbolism. Art therapists are trained to understand how to look at the art and ask questions that are related to what people are going through. So with the tree... The symbol of a tree is pretty in-depth because you have roots and then there's the trunk. So like if someone draws a tiny stick trunk, then that you, you would ask them about like, why is that? Why? Or like, not it's not good to ask why, but it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you say like, I noticed that you're... What is this? Yeah. <laughs> what in the world is this? No. <laughs> uh, like you would say stuff like, I noticed that your trunk is very thin. Anyway, so then you have the branches, like what extends out from you, and then the leaves, like the things that can change and move and do different things. So, like, 
all of that. And then also like where you put the tree, like what environment is it in? Mm-hmm. Um, and so she did a lot of trees and that's another thing that's pretty neat is that you can keep all the art. And when she was ready to discharge, we looked at all of her trees from like one of the first times we met to the end and just like noticed how it evolved and like, yeah, it started with like a very black, very, like nothing was really there. And then it became like one of the last trees was like, there was like a tree on it and there was like the sun was in the background and there was like grass and life. At the end, we just like talked about how she changed and how, mm-hmm. like how she mm-hmm. got to the point where she felt like more alive and yeah. You know, your story really sparks one of my own that happened when I was inpatient at um, a, a hospital in, in Pennsylvania uh, in 1995. So I worked with an art therapist, and we used a lot of different methods of therapy, including the standard, you know, draw a picture on a, on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I remember he was very good at evoking emotions and ideas and um, uh, unveiling uh, aspects of our past and some of those issues. But I remember in one case, it was so disturbing what I had drawn uh, in terms of the graphic Mm -hmm. image. And it disrupted my own faith, my own religious perspective, that I became very angry with him. Mm. Um, Is is that something you've been you've seen or you're prepared for or do you know if that's a, a dynamic that could happen yeah oh yeah we um have to be that's another thing that's why training is very important because there are there is very possible for people to like almost vomit onto the paper and it become very overwhelming mm-hmm. and not that he was purposefully making you do that or and maybe that even eventually helped you heal i think it did so that so there's like different ways to look at it but we are very aware that like art can be overwhelming like if if someone's using materials that are too messy and then it might go all over the paper and then they're like ah like they freak out they can't handle it you know they they're like triggered you know whatever it is and so that's why training it's like we have to know who our clients are and what they react to and um, what materials may not be okay. And we know that a lot with like what they're diagnosed with, like the, like this person's diagnosed with that. So probably don't use this material because typically like impulsive people don't want to work with um, watercolor or whatever. So that kind of training is important. Um, But also the fact that you, made that piece and saw it on the paper like that's exactly why art therapy is so fascinating because Mm -hmm. you dump it on the paper you see it and then you're like i didn't know i felt that way or i didn't know that's what i would make while i thought about this Mm -hmm. or whatever and then you're like wow i must be so much more um like i'm maybe i haven't really dealt with that or Mm-hmm. Whatever. So it's like being able to see what you feel because language, like talk therapy is great, but it you can't really see it. And you can mm-hmm. like, 
you can manipulate your words a lot more easily than you can manipulate what you draw. I've got to think you've had your own experiences with art where you've felt some sense of healing from work you have personally done. Mm -hmm. So can you share an experience of one of your pieces of art throughout the years and how that helped you heal or get mm -hmm. through a hard time? In my undergrad experience, the last semester I was basically living in the studio. It made me realize just how like when you really dive into material and mine was so long term that I really realized like how important it is for me to have art as a method of coping and like relaxing and like getting crap out on like I use I mean clay like you use your hands you're really getting into it I think just the long term element was one thing that really made me understand how healing it could be you're saying it was a long-term project yeah you had a lot to do mm -hmm. and you were you were doing something you loved mm -hmm. and part of the learning was the process of being having to be patient with something you love was how you got through that difficult yeah. period of time living in the space um made me realize how important art is for me and how much it helps me that's okay. what i mean mm. like i knew before but not in a sense of like wow this really is something i need in my life mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. during my grad school interview one of the professors in the program was like wow like the way you're describing your process with clay is just how a lot of therapists work with patients because mm -hmm. how I was describing it reflected like in life interactions with humans. So like how I built things was very, um, step, like there was, there were steps. So I would start with a slab, flat slab, and then I would build up off of that with coils, but I couldn't, you couldn't build up forever because it would slop over and shrink, slink in and it would be worthless and, it would, it would make collapse. some blob. Yeah. So you would have to build up a little bit, maybe like three inches, and then you have to let it dry a little bit, and then you would build up again. So it was very like, you had to be patient. What does healing mean to you? So I'm going to use a cut as a way to outline how I feel about healing. First of all, I think we're always healing. I don't think we're ever healed. Um, we might be in a better phase of healing or whatever, but I think it's constant because new things happen every day or new things come up every day um, that we haven't worked through. Um, but the cut, so say you get a cut on your arm and at the time it stings, it burns, it sucks, it's oozing, it's bloody. Um, it really sucks, real bad. <laughs> I'm gonna say it. It's a bad cut. <laughs> real bad cut. Is it gay greenest? Maybe some green pus. You know, get infected. Oh my god! Like my tattoo is awful. That's good. I mean, that's we'll the good it was terrible. But basically, this cut is 
so bad. Um, kind of, so let's like, oh. You got a metaphorical I had, cut happening Yes, here. I'm trying to... I had it perfect in the shower before I came here. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, <laughs> me, sorry. Sitting. Um, okay. So people get cuts. It hurts. It's distressful. It's hard to fix in the moment. But then over time, it heals. There's a scar. And you still have it on your body. You... you are reminded of it every day. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go away, but it doesn't feel as bad, right? It, it's healed, but it's still there. So, like, once it's a scar now, you know, at the beginning, it might still be a reminder where you're, like, triggered of it. Like, you seeing it, you might still react to it. Mm-hmm. But over time, and as you work through <laughs> having it on your body, well, but, like, relating it to life, like, as you work through your cuts... Um, it might get easier to look at it or it might, it might be instead of feeling really sad or hurt or, um, shameful about it. Now you're proud that you, you experienced that, but now you've worked through it and you've become stronger through it. Mm-hmm. Good um, answer. So I, that's, I just think it's the healing part, the process, I think is what's important. Like you all, you want to get to your ultimate goal of being able to feel at ease about what you have to live through and what you've dealt with in your life. But I think being able to work through it is ultimately the healing. Like, Mm -hmm. like I actually did that. You know, you, you talk, people talk a lot about like how they've recovered. Mm -hmm. Like they tell their story. Mm -hmm. This is my recovery story. And it's not always about like, now I'm good. Mm-hmm. it's more about like how did you get there so i think the healing is the process and finally being like you know this is who i am yeah and i'm okay with that but it's still here it's still on me like i am still my past yeah. like that doesn't go away mm-hmm. but now i can like be comfortable in it so Very how good. have you gotten through the scars of growing up with eric as, a, <laughs> as, as an older brother <laughs> Uh, I'm 11 years younger than Eric. So by the time he was in college, I was seven. Eric is struggling moments with me in high school when I was a junior. Because that was when he was in the MBA program. And he was like going through a divorce. Pretty sad. And we became roommates because I moved back to the Yeah, Yeah, I remember Kurt. You learn a lot about a person when you're a roommate. Uh, well, so at the time, Kurt graduated from high school when I was a sophomore, and then Eric, so he left for college when I was a sophomore, going mm-hmm. into junior, and then Eric moved in when I was a junior. So that's something I also remember, like, I was never the only kid at home, uh. which I, that doesn't bug me too much, but I do remember being very confused. Eric and I had conversations. I mean, I think that's something my mom and I have talked about a little bit is how there wasn't enough conversation about it. It was very confusing for me. Which, about about what? Like what you're going through. Like I didn't think I knew you were depressed. I think I knew you were struggling, but I didn't know depression was mm-hmm. what it was. I didn't link those. Okay. Like I think I knew what depression was a little bit. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> I think I knew that you were having a hard time but i didn't like link the mental health yeah 
issue. So maybe more like sadness. That yeah. Eric was having sadness yeah. instead of a, a more clinical yes, exactly. diagnostic. Like, yeah. And I remember being like, like, I don't know how to help the situation. I don't know what's going on. Like, like why is Eric like struggling so hard? <laughs> because it was like you went to grad school and like why was that hard like i didn't also didn't know that grad school was that hard i didn't know that there was a social element mm-hmm. we didn't have i don't think we had those kind of in-depth conversations that i think subconsciously i mean it's stuck in my brain and so i think that without me knowing is what really pushed me to be in mental health mm. because before choosing art therapy we did have a conversation about mm-hmm. your mental health So I think between high school and me going to grad school, I put together all the pieces and I also was like, I have to be able to help people that are experiencing this. And I was like annoyed that I was so confused and I didn't want to be confused anymore. I wanted to know like, Mm -hmm. what was my brother experiencing? I I haven't ever been in a phase like that. Thankfully, I'm very, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm blessed in that way, but it was very subconscious. Like I didn't. I don't think it was until I had to, like, really sit down and think about, like, why do I want to do this? Until I was like, well, my brother experienced all this, and I didn't know how to help him. And Mm I want to be able to help people Uh that are experiencing that because it's scary. And, like, I want to be able to know. I want to be educated Mm -hmm. in that realm, and I want to do it every day. I'm really delighted that you were led in that path and also... It seems that, you know, rather than immediately getting bogged down in being in a pit yourself, mm-hmm. you you pursued your passion and, and then let that yeah. move you into a helping mm-hmm. position. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a blessing. I know. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> well, we've never really had that conversation before about not feeling like, I guess, very explicitly told what was going on yeah and i i mean maybe it's like when you're in a moment where you're that symptomatic and depressed it almost feels obvious like Mm -hmm. because you're going through so much and you feel like your behavior is all like expressing Mm -hmm. this anguish but really from the outside people don't know Mm -hmm. they just don't know And, and it sounds like part of your experience was well, why why didn't you know so i think that part of it might have been like it scared me a little bit to know fully uh-huh. also maybe i think it was also because i just like i was saying just thought you were sad so i was like well that's what it is like he's mm-hmm. sad he's struggling we i mean i knew people struggled in yeah, life he just went through a divorce yeah that's not great so i was like oh yeah like he has to have somewhere to live and like mom and dad's is a safe comfortable place so Mm -hmm. like that like i don't i didn't think there was more to it i think Mm -hmm. but also the whole like if i talk to eric about this this will like freak me out Mm -hmm. and you raise a a very good point you know i'm sure there are a lot of listeners and others who have older siblings older people in their lives who are going through a hard time whether it's diagnostic or emotional sadness and uh uh, we, we really ought to ask ourselves, you know, just how important it is to open up that mm-hmm. door. And maybe sometimes it isn't. So yeah. Maybe sometimes you just 
by your presence, you let them know you're there yeah. and you don't raise more questions. Yeah. Walk me through a little uh, picture of the process. Let's say I'm a person seeing you mm -hmm. at an art therapy session and we say, and you might say, draw something or, you know, give some guidance. Yeah. And then I do that. What might be something you say in response? It always depends on how well you know the person. Like if yeah. it's the first session or the hundredth. Right. Also, like mm -hmm. what their diagnosis is, what they're currently working on, what their goals are. So you have to always in consider that. Sometimes you give them a very specific material, a very specific directive. And you're mm -hmm. like, hey, you're going to use these crayons to draw the ocean. Mm -hmm. And then usually you pick the ocean because it's some symbol it may bring out of them. Like it may... Like, they, you know, like what you need to, like, learn from them. The symbol of the ocean might help do that. Or it could be, like, you give them many options. Watercolor, pen, colored pencils, just pen and pencil and paper, uh, pencil and eraser. Like, kind of a spectrum. And then you take what they pick. Because, so, a pencil with an eraser is very fine-tuned. You can't really screw up. I mean, you can, but you can't. You can erase... You can undo things. So that's a lot different than watercolor where it's basically like you have very little control because it spreads really easily. Mm -hmm. So like depending on what they pick, that in itself says a lot about what they're needing that day or what, you know, they tend to gravitate towards. Like if they want a lot of control or if they want to just let loose. This is all on the front end, mm -hmm. right? So you've done the research and then the directive. But then there's the, okay, the, it's created. Here well, is the, the sunset on the ocean. And you're sitting there with this piece of art between We the may two be jumping to well, analysis yep. too quickly. So okay. You're missing a very, very important part. Okay. And that's the actual making of it. Okay. Yeah. And in a lot of things, it's the process of making it versus the product, the final product. Mm. And... Typically, you, I mean, you learn a lot through both, but the process says a ton. It's nonverbal communication. Like, mm. you, if that person sits there quietly, makes, like, two marks on the paper, they hesitate, you know, they're, like, very timid. Or if they're, like, literally scraping the pencil so hard that it rips the paper. <laughs> like, all of that right. yeah. process says a lot about their behaviors, how they are, you know, how they interact with new things in the outside world, how they deal with like having freedom to do whatever they want. You learn a ton of with nonverbal. So that's like one of the elements of art therapy that you don't get with talk is that you, there's this nonverbal, like in the moment behavior that you don't see when you're just talking. Mm -hmm. are, are you in the room for that always? Yep. Well, I mean, there would have to be a very specific reason why you would leave the room. Okay. But I've never left the room. Okay. You're usually, and that can be kind of awkward sometimes. People might not like that. They might ask you to turn around. Mm. But then if they feel that way, then you ask like, well, what's, uh, what about me being here is making you uncomfortable? Like you're performing in a way. Like you're making something and your people maybe don't like to be judged or mm -hmm. they are scared to like fail. 
mm-hmm. or whatever it is. So that's like, oh, that's where the behavior, like you can ask them, like I noticed while you were doing that, that it took you a while to get going. What made you do it slowly? I like, I noticed you did it slowly. Like you point out what yeah. they did. You notice these things. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so then the product is in an extension where you can be like, you know, like, like I mentioned before, like your tree trunk is very thin. Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. And then typically they say something that ultimately reflects back to them. And that's like a huge theory behind art therapy is that anything you put on paper is a reflection of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately that's pro- process and product are both very important. But then at the same time, sometimes you only do the process and you don't ever talk about the product. Like maybe that person just needed to scribble all over the paper. They need to loosen up. Like it might be like a thing you do for 10 minutes at the beginning. They're really tense. They have a bad week. Like they need to just relax. And you're like, all right, take all of that that you feel and scribble it on the paper as hard as you can. It's almost like stretching before you work out. Like you loosen up a little mm-hmm. bit and you right. get yourself prepared for the sessions. Or like you could do that for the whole hour. One time I had a woman that painted something and it took her like four sessions. If you paint something for four sessions and eventually it's important to talk about it. And mm-hmm. like why did it take four sessions? That's mm-hmm. Except without why. It... <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. It yeah. took four sessions. <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal here? I have a run o'clock here. Uh, yeah. Uh, Go AT. Oh, <laughs> oh, seriously, art therapy is really very, very important. And I am so proud that my sister is endeavoring in this new and growing field. Maria Riddle. Eric Riddle. Thanks for coming down here today. Thanks. Thank you, Maria. Thanks. Can't wait to go to, to Denver over the 4th of July. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. Yep. A little family outing. Uh-huh. I'm really excited. A little hiking, a little skiing, or... Horseback riding. Horseback riding. It's a little late for skiing. Oh, yeah, I guess it would be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm excited to show the family where I lived Yeah. for great. 10 months. Maria's basically playing the vacation, which yeah. makes me very happy. Excellent. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. Sister Maria. Yes. That was wonderful. Great, great to meet you, Maria. And uh, I hope you uh, enjoyed your experience here in Studio E. So, Tony, what's your takeaway? How do you like my sis? Well, first of all, she's cute as a button. Oh, yes. She's got that riddle good looks and uh, the riddle nostrils. <laughs> she looks a little bit like a young Jodie Foster. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I take away the most in this episode is when she gets to describing what led her into art therapy and particularly the field of mental health treatment and care uh, and goes into the relationship she had with you, Eric, uh, when you were going through a hard time and you moved back home for, for a time. Yeah. And, I I, uh, I did not know a lot of that from yeah, her perspective. That was very revealing for you, and Absolutely. clearly you were you were moved by that. Yes. Yeah. So I I I found that to be very revealing.
Yeah. So f- for me, I liked the the area where I asked her how art helps her heal, and she went into the the patience of her own creative process and how the nature of working with clay and and sculpture, which was her undergrad, was a uh, fine arts degree in, in ceramic sculpture. Um, it just takes time, and how that patience has really helped her in developing this practice in counseling because people don't change overnight. It takes, it takes a lot of time to really help guide someone through change. All the things a good art therapist can help support in a person. It's going to take time and Maria has the patience and I look forward to hearing more and more stories about the creations that her uh, clients make and how they impact their life, just like the, the woman who started with a, a bleak black tree and by the end of her sessions, after a matter of months, had a, a thriving tree. Yep. You know, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, she. Uh, it will be interesting to see in her life and and in ministry that uh, how her work informs her own art. Yeah, as well. Yes, Marie, we got to find a way to get you back in front of a kiln. Okay, so here we are. It's July, and we've got a little bit of a different take on our next couple episodes. Yeah, I'm excited about it. We talked before we started the show um, when we were still in the planning process just how we would go about creating these episodes and one thing we talked about was just having uh, an unedited release which would be almost like a live program scheduled to air at a later date Mm -hmm. and we're going to try something like that yes so episode 11 and 12 will be unedited Yep. 45 minutes. We're flying without a net. To be on our game and caffeinated. I think we're ready. Yeah. Episode 11, Tony will focus on you. Kind of in the spirit of this art therapy and writing, you know, what that means to you. Talking about your book, Delight and Disorder. You know, I I personally want to promote your book because I think getting that in more people's hands is a really good thing. I sold a book in Australia this week. Good. Yeah. It uh, netted me a dollar and ten cents. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. But, hey, the word is getting out, you know. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you know, I never thought it would be a moneymaker. I'm not looking to be the next Stephen King. But, I mean, it's built relationships. Absolutely. Our relationship really was founded on me speaking about my book. Yeah. And... You know, you can't put a price tag on that. Thank you, Brian Blair, for your article yes, in the local newspaper. Brian Blair. Episode 12 will then be me. Uh, it'll yeah. focus on service. Yes, and I've been reading Eric's book, uh, Watershed. It's a great read. I mean, there there are some sections. He picked up a lot of um, people who were involved in the recovery movement to write uh, chapters. and uh, But then he tells the narrative in a very you know, just step-by-step way of how the service of the recovery movement in Columbus's flood now 10 years ago uh, took place. And uh, 
I'm excited to to talk with Eric more about how his own faith was shaped. Yep. And uh, how this service led to a healing experience for him. Yeah, I look forward to doing that. Okay, Tony, let's uh, make it a wrap. Very good. See you, folks. Tony, our show has come to a close. Now is the time to ask for five-star reviews. Please scroll to the bottom of our podcast homepage, click on five stars, then click on write a review. Help us reach more people seeking emotional healing and the hope of faith. Thanks again for your support of Revealing Voices. Revealing Voices is not a substitute for professional mental health care or participation in a faith community. If your unanswered questions or unanswered prayers leave you feeling desperate or unsafe, we urge you to seek further help. A partial list of outreach resources may be found on our website, revealingvoices.com. I have the bracelet. I found it while I was moving. I, I can't find it. We'll edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Yeah, your parents may be listening. That's okay. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs>